1: Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Hyman and I'm Kelly King. Last summer, we were able to provide the full teaching sessions for Jen Wilkins' "The Sermon on the Mount" Bible study right here on the Mark Podcast. We heard from so many of you that you loved that content and you wanted to hear more like it. So, for the next eight weeks,
0: we are going to do Kelly Minter's "All Things New" Bible study together. We'll release the audio of one teaching session per week right here on the Mark Podcast. All Things New is one of several Bible studies Kelly Minter has published with LifeWay, and she has graciously granted us permission to play the audio here. Please know that this is copyrighted material, so we ask that you not reproduce it.
1: Now before we dive in, know that the teachings in these sessions expand on the work that you'll do in the Bible Study book. So for the full impact of the study, you'll want to get the Bible Study workbook. You can purchase the book at LifeWay.com allthingsnew New. We have a sample session there if you want to use it while you wait for your book to come in the mail.
0: These audio teaching sessions will be available for a limited time due to copyright restrictions. We will leave the audio up until April 30th. We hope that gives you time to get the book and study along with us.
1: Over eight sessions, Kelly Minter is gonna lead us through the letter of 2 Corinthians, exploring the anchoring truths of bearing treasures and jars of clay, meeting Christ through a pressing thorn, opening wide your heart in the midst of hurtful relationships and what it means to embrace the lost and lonely as ministers of the new covenant each of us has a message to proclaim and live by because of jesus the old has gone and the new has come
0: now here's kelly minter
2: One of my very favorite weeks of my year uh, for the last several years has been being part of the annual Jungle Pastors Conference, which takes place in the Amazon jungle. Uh, As many of you all know, I work closely with an organization called Justice and Mercy International, and one of the things that we get to do is work with jungle pastors and their wives in the middle of the Amazon, and it's just an incredibly rich time for me. Now, it's funny because if you had told me when I was... um, Growing up, that that's kind of something that I'd be doing. I wouldn't have thought that. You know, I, this might surprise you, but when I was thinking about all the things, like all the dreams that I had and all the adventures that I wanted to go on and all the stuff I wanted to do and, and achieve, it just, you know, the fifth annual Jungle Pastors Conference just wasn't, wasn't on that list. You know, just, just never, just never thought. Just never thought, never thought about that one. The Lord is all kinds of full of surprises. And uh, I was there. Recently, and, and I was sitting with these jungle pastors' wives and missionaries and these just amazing, amazing women, and I thought, well, I had this opportunity to teach, so I thought, well, what about 2 Corinthians? What do you guys think? You know, because I thought, I've been in 2 Corinthians. I'll just see how it works, and then if they really hated it, then I'd rethink everything I was doing, you know? So, so I started, I got to chapters 8 and 9, which is all about missions and generosity and giving. And so here I am and I'm talking to these really very Im- impoverished men and women and these these wives in particular that I'm so connected to. And I thought I cannot believe how generous these 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 women are. I just they have so little and they will give you the shirt off their back. And they have they have completely given up any thought of having anything material really in this life. They just don't care. All they care about is, is telling people about the love of Jesus. That is what their life is about in the Amazon. And as I'm talking to them, all of a sudden it occurs to me how there's this amazing connection that I didn't even realize that the church at Macedonia, remember Paul wrote 2 Corinthians from Macedonia, and he said, listen, I want to hold up what's going on here in Macedonia? Because at the time, Macedonia was incredibly impoverished. Those churches were pressed so tight, and yet those churches were giving so generously to the poor in Jerusalem. Well, Corinth, on the other hand, we know from our study, was a wealthy city, quite affluent. And we know that there were people in the church at the time that that were affluent, and then there were people just, you know, on all spectrums that were part of that church. But Paul said, listen, I'm holding up the generosity of the poor in Macedonia who are giving to Jerusalem. And he holds them up in front of Corinth saying, you guys are wealthy. I want you to give like the poor in Macedonia. Does that make sense? It's kind of like this triangle. And so all of a sudden I realized all of these women that I have the opportunity to minister to in the Amazon and who really minister back to me, I have the privilege of holding them up for us here and saying these people, like the church in Macedonia, these people in the Amazon are giving out of their poverty. How much more should we be giving? And so it was sort of this revelation for me that I, I I hadn't even thought of until I was standing right in front of them. Now, before we get into our text, I want to share something that I think is so cool. Early in Paul's ministry, if you go to the book of Galatians, and you don't need to turn there now, but if you go to the book of Galatians, early in his ministry, he meets with Peter, James, and John, and they realize that Paul and Barnabas have a call on their life to the Gentiles, and they give Paul and Barnabas their blessing and their right hand of fellowship. But their parting words to Paul and Barnabas is this, remember the poor. Paul, Barnabas, we bless you. We believe that you are to go to the Gentiles. But just do this one thing. Remember the poor. And I love what Paul says. He said, and it was the very thing that I was eager to do. That's Galatians 2.10. What I didn't know until studying this is that when they told him to remember the poor, they were talking about the Jewish poor the poor in Jerusalem because see Paul was going to go and even though he was a Jew he was being sent to the Gentiles Mm -hmm. don't forget the Jewish poor and so now it makes sense why Paul wants the Corinthians to take up a collection for Jerusalem and why he's holding up the Macedonians before them saying listen if the Macedonians can do it you guys can do it because the very thing that he wanted to do was remember the poor So let's dive into our text. We're going to look at the first six verses of chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's read starting at verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And we'll pause there for just a moment. You'll see that when Paul opens up this passage, he says, listen, Corinthians, I want you to know about the grace of God in Macedonia. See, what makes people who are impoverished want to give generously? Well, the grace of God. And, and that's so clear. You'll see that word grace just, just peppered throughout this passage. Because only the grace of God can make us want to do that. Because it's just not in our flesh. It's just not in our nature. I was looking at that passage, and I realized that in verse 2, it says that they had overflowing joy coupled with extreme poverty. Anybody find that odd pairing? <laughs> overflowing joy and extreme poverty. And then if you're doing like X plus Y, it equaled rich generosity. Like, this is the weirdest math class ever. (laughs) And I I just was thinking, I said, only the grace of God can make overflowing joy and extreme poverty equal rich generosity. Only the grace of God can do that. And I've witnessed that. I've witnessed that firsthand in, in many different places. Also, did you notice that it says that not only did they give, as much as they were able, but even beyond what they were able. I mean, how is that even possible? How do you give beyond what you're able to give? You know, if you're, if you're only able to give this much, how do you possibly give more than you're able? Well, the grace of God. Yeah. And so only the grace of God can prompt us to give as much as we're able and then just a little bit more. Only the grace of God can do that. Did you notice that at the end of verse three, Paul says that entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded for the privilege to be part of this, entirely on their own. So nobody had to come, like they didn't even have to sit through the giving sermon at church. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? They didn't have to even do that. Only the grace of God can inspire us to give before we've even been asked. I hope that as you're listening, if, if you're kind of being, you're like, oh, I can see where we're headed here. This is that generosity thing. <laughs> oh, whew. just relax because it's the grace of God. Yeah. Ask God for that grace. If this is a struggle, if this is a stress, if you're thinking about all the bills you've got to pay, or if you just think, oh, I don't even want to go there in my head, or if that's just that part of your Christianity that you just kind of hope somehow will just sort of go away. the grace of God. It's all throughout this text. Today we're going to discover five things about biblical generosity. There's probably 35 things in here. Mm-hmm. I just picked out five things that we're going to look out about biblical generosity. Uh, in verse 4, it says that they were eager. They wanted to participate in this privilege. And, and the, the Greek word behind that is, is charis, and it's a grace or a benefit. It's like they literally, it was, it was like their ability to give was an expression of God's grace. I mean, they were so excited. It was, it was just an absolute privilege for them. And then it says that they, they, it was a privilege for them to share in the service of the saints. And that word be, behind sharing is, is a common Greek word that some of you will know, and it's koinonia. It's that fellowship, it's that tight um, linking arms with. And so they're saying, basically, we are so excited to be part of the grace of God and to link arms with our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and share in this rich koinonia, in this rich fellowship. They couldn't wait to be part of it. And so the very first thing that we discover about biblical generosity is this. The privilege of giving to our brothers and sisters in Christ is one of the greatest privileges we will ever have on this earth. Because guess what? If my theology is correct, I do not think that you or I will be able to give to the poor in heaven. I just don't think, I just don't think there's going to be poor in heaven. We're not going to be able to give to missionaries in heaven. We're not going to be able to just support in that way This is our chance right here on earth. This is is it. This is the chance to experience this kind of privilege. Now, in this particular text, Paul is talking about giving to other believers in Christ. Okay? We know from other parts of Scripture that we are to be generous to all people regardless of their faith. But here, Paul is specifically talking about the, the poor in the church at Jerusalem. Okay? Let's read verse 7. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Okay, Paul's doing something really interesting here, and it's something that we can learn from. I wouldn't say he's being manipulative, because that would be a negative thing, and I don't think Paul's being manipulative here at all. It's sort of like he's starting with the positive to get that thing that he needs, you know what I mean? You know, you, do that with a, you might do that with a child, you know? You really, really encourage them in this one area so they'll do this other thing that may be struggling a little bit, like just, you're so good in English, maybe you could step it up in math, you know? And what's interesting here, and we know more about this from 1 Corinthians, is that the Corinthians did, it, it did seem that they had a real strong faith in certain areas. Obviously, they were a struggling church, but there was a part of them that they really had a, an active faith for big things. And they excelled in, in speech, might even be Christian speech, knowing what to say, maybe having the right theology. Um, there was, they excelled in knowledge. And, and he's talking spiritually here. So there were a lot of things that they were really good at, but Paul says, make sure you're also going to do that on, on the generosity. And because the thing is, is that, You've got to have all of it. All of it goes together. And so the second thing that we discover about biblical generosity is that sacrificial generosity should be a characteristic of every believer's life. Sacrificial generosity should be a characteristic of every believer's life. We just don't get to pick and choose on this one. Mm-hmm. This is part of what it means to be a believer. This is about an overflow of... How excited we are about what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we want to be part of the privilege of sharing. All right, let's keep reading. Let's read verses 8 through 12. Paul says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. And so when I see that, it made me think, well, if, if their generosity is proof of their love, then it must mean that love and generosity are inextricably tied together. Okay, that's the, that's the third thing that we see about biblical giving, that love and generosity are inextricably tied together. I love how Paul starts that passage in verse 8 by by saying, I'm not commanding you to do this. Um, He says that he's testing the sincerity of their love by seeing if they're actually going to come up with this offering. This is something that had been going on for a long time that they were preparing for. He said, I'm testing the sincerity of your love. Uh, and, and, and I think that's why Paul doesn't force it. That's why he's not saying, I, he's not saying, hey, listen, I'm commanding this of you. Because if he commands it and they don't want to do it, then their heart's in the wrong place and they're not really loving. And we, you'll know from your homework next week in chapter 9 that God just wants happy givers. He doesn't want mad ones. You know, he wants a cheerful giver. And so you have to decide to do that in your heart. First uh, John 3.17 says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? There you see love and generosity. They're inextricably connected. And that's John speaking. So Paul and John are on the same, same page here. They're tied together. And so I want, to think about, I want you to think about the people you love. Have you, have you opened your heart to them? Have you opened your time to them? Have you opened widely your resources to them? Now, what's cool about this particular text is that the Macedonians and the Corinthians were giving to a people group that they didn't even know personally. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, Just wanted to look at verse 11, because I think this is important, where he says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. And I just wanted to make a note about following through. See, they, the Corinthians did have an eager willingness, and Paul just wanted to make sure that they were actually going to complete it. Because how many times have, have you been sitting in a, maybe, maybe it's at church, or, or you've been in some venue, and you've seen a need or something, and you're just really, really moved, and you think, yeah, I'm going to give to that. You know, you get home, and you get busy, and then, you know, your washing machine breaks, or this happens you have this unexpected bill and then you just you just don't follow through i mean the, you had the the willingness was there but you didn't follow through with it and it's so funny because you know what we really follow through with the things that we care about don't we i mean it's it's like i think about the things i follow through on like if there's a flight that i need to be book, that needs to be booked and it's some place that i really want to go and i know that the fare is going to change at midnight i follow through with that you know, it's like all day long, We're like, okay, don't forget to book that flight. Don't, you got, I mean, you don't, you're not going to want to miss that, you know, thing. or it's like a sale. You know, you, this certain department store has got a sale in shoes, or got a sale in purses, or got this thing, and, and you have the eager willingness to get there, and 100% of the time, you follow through, right? Because we want, we want that. But for some reason, that doesn't always happen when it comes to giving, to generosity, And so I want you to even think about maybe something in the last week, few months, year, maybe five years, ten years, where the Lord put something on your heart and you started out eager and you started out excited and somehow the whole thing got lost in the follow-through. It's not too late to pick that ball up. It's not too late to complete the thing that God put on your heart heart to do. Look at verse 12 yet again with me. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So we find out our fourth truth about biblical generosity, and it's this. God's definition of giving richly has nothing to do with your wealth absolutely nothing to do with your wealth. Because Paul says the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he doesn't have. Um, We already know that the Macedonian church didn't have anything, but they gave whatever they did have. So, So God's definition of giving richly doesn't have a thing to do with your wealth. But do we really believe that? Because how many of us, how many, how many times have you said something to this effect? Oh my goodness, if I could just win the lottery, I would give it all away. Like, I mean, I'd take like a couple hundred thousand for myself and then I'd give it all away to the poor. <laughs> or like, if I just get, the, like, if I just was, I mean, if I was so rich and I just had this massive, like, job or promotion or I just suddenly came into millions of dollars... I would totally just give it away. I would just write. I mean, like, I would, okay, this is what I would do. I'd probably buy myself, like, a house. I'd pay cash for it, get a couple really nice things, and then, boom, all of it. I'm giving it all away, all those millions of dollars. And then we look at all those super wealthy people, and we're like, why aren't you giving all your stuff away? Why are you, what are you you hanging on to it for? Because the reality is this. If you or if I came into millions and millions of dollars, we would not do that unless we're doing it right now. Because you'll only give out of your wealth what you're willing to give out of your leanness. You'll only give out of your wealth what you're willing to give out of your leanness. So if you're not generous now, you would not be generous as a multi-zillionaire. Just telling you, it's just the truth. Not to mention the fact that you just can't believe what God can do with any sum of money. Uh I I just think about that passage where Jesus uh, says, you know, the harvest is huge. It's ripe. It's just ready to be picked. Pray that the Lord sends workers out into the harvest. And that passage gets me every time because he doesn't say... Pray that I get more money for for me to be able to do my work. Pray pray that somehow money comes in for all this work to be done. No, he says, pray that the Lord sends workers. I mean, God, God needs our hearts. He doesn't need our money. But I truly believe that when we give our money, it shows where our heart is. God cares much more about your desire to give than the amount you're able to. God cares so much more about the desire and your follow-through to give than he does the amount. Don't worry about the amount. All of us, every single one of us as believers in Jesus Christ, need to be giving sacrificially in some way. Let's read verses 13 and 14. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that, in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. This is number five. The discipline of giving is for the mutual benefit of the giver and the receiver. The discipline of giving is for the mutual benefit of the giver and the receiver. Do you you see that here? Paul says, "I'm I'm not talking about there being all this inequality and one person being left with nothing. No. He says, your plenty is going to supply what they need, so in turn their plenty will supply what you need. And let me tell you, this might be my favorite discovery of all five because I have seen this over and over and over, and so many of you all have too, where you've gone to give to someone and, and, and you, you leave the scene and you realize, wait, I'm sorry, something strange just happened because they gave more to me. But they didn't, they didn't maybe give monetarily, but somehow they gave more to me. How did that happen? And I've lived this over and over and over and over. Now, my context, I have a couple contexts, the Amazon jungle and Moldova which is a very poor country in Eastern Europe. Those are two of the countries that are contexts for me. I know that there are hundreds and hundreds of other places on this earth that are very much the same. And so you just insert wherever place that God has given you a passion for. These are just my kind of two contexts. But I remember sitting with the most, the most precious girl you've ever met in your life the cutest red hair, freckles, just stunning. Like if I could have raised this child, I I just, like she's really old now and I seriously want her to come live with me for like six months so I can just take credit for her. You know, that's how (laughs) awesome this child is. She grew up in Moldova, went straight into an orphanage as a tiny, tiny little child. All kinds of violence, disaster in her home, was given up by her mother, went to live in such a painful place, void of any kind of love. And JMI was able to get there and work in this orphanage and share the love of Jesus and just kept coming back and kept coming back. She gave her life to Jesus. And just last year, I sat with this, this little girl. She's about 18, 19 now. And I said, so... Talk to me about what it was like for you to be given up by your mom and just dropped off in an orphanage. I mean, and, and we're not even talking about the kind of orphanages that you and I might even have some idea of here. This is a totally different situation over there. Talk to me about it. And you know what she said? Yeah, uh, it was really hard, and yeah, it was really lonely sometimes, and um, there wasn't very much love. And but you know what? I don't regret it at all because in the orphanage, I met Jesus, and so I'm actually really happy for my story. What? And she was just as genuine and natural. She wasn't dramatic about it. She wasn't reading off of a script. She wa- I mean, she just was like, oh, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, it's t- yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't change my story because, because I met Jesus there. Because of people who came and told me about Jesus. Okay, so I was there to give to her. Right. Please. I mean, she's overwhelmed me with her faith and her joy, and I could tell you a thousand stories like that, and not just stories overseas. Most of my life is right here. Most of my life is right here on American soil, and it's true everywhere you go. That when we give and we receive, it's for the mutual benefit, not just of the receiver, but of the giver. You guys, this is where where the joy is. What's so cool is that in Romans chapter 15, Paul talks about this gift that the Macedonians and the Corinthians had given to the Jews. And you know what he says? He says that the Corinthians and the Macedonians were pleased to give, and indeed they owed it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessing... They owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Okay, let me just explain what that means. See, remember that the gospel, you know, God had his, remember we talked about Old Covenant? God had his covenant with Israel and the Jews. But then the Jews, in a sense, blessed us because the gospel got opened up to the Gentiles. And so we are recipients of, of, of the, the Jews' spiritual blessing. And at that time, and at this time of the writing, this is like way early in the church, there's still some kind of weirdness between the Jews and the Gentiles because everybody's kind of getting used to this whole weird thing like, wait, the Gentiles are in? Really? Oh, wait, we're supposed to appreciate the Jews? Really? What? And that's what's so astounding about the Macedonians giving to. Jerusalem and the Corinthians giving to Jerusalem because you're talking about Gentiles giving to Jews. So when Paul talks about this mutual shearing, what he's saying is, oh, please, the Gentiles owed it to the Jews because the, the Jewish people, Christ's blessing has come through them and it's spilled out onto the Gentiles. The least they can do is write some checks back. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm paraphrasing just a tiny bit here. But, but, but I mean, that's like... And listen, there are people out there doing the hard work. They're doing stuff that you and I would not think of doing. There are people that I get to minister to in Moldova and and the Amazon, and I wouldn't spend one night where they spend every night of their lives. Can we give them something? Uh, We owe it. We owe it to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we owe it to a lost world it's hurting, even those who don't know Jesus. Let's do it. Why? 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 Why why am I saying we owe it? Okay, because we're going to close with this. I glossed over it earlier. Verse 9, chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty might become rich. Our desire and our ability to give all go back to the person of Jesus Christ. All the stuff we have, our houses, our cars, our granite countertops, our thank you. Our clothes, our investments, all of our stuff. It all belongs to the Lord because, and again, Paul says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, great. we can't be generous without grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that we might be rich. Now I can say that I have become less rich for people but I have never become poor for anyone. But Jesus Christ did not become less rich for us. He became poor. Philippians two, he did not consider it equality with God. He did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped. But he came in the form of human likeness and he became poor. So how can we do anything but say, Jesus, you became poor for me so that I can be rich. How can we do anything but say, Lord, you've got it, you've got me? I want to show you uh, a video of this woman that I met in the jungle. Um, speaking of being mutually blessed, I love the song, I'd rather have Jesus. You know how it goes I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Or our 401k, whatever. Um, I'd rather be his than have riches untold. And and I can sing that and I can mean that mostly, right? Some days I mean it more than others. But I'm in the jungle and I'm singing this song, and this lady walks up to me and through a translator, she's like, That's my favorite song ever. And I'm thinking, how do you even, how did that song even get to you? You know? Because we're just so far in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And she said, oh, I want to sing it for you in Portuguese. And I said, oh, I want you to sing it for me in Portuguese. And I took out my iPhone, and I got this little clip, and you just see how much this woman means what she's singing, because when she says, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold, she means it because she doesn't have any. And she is so happy.
0: Take a look. Segura aqui, filha. Vou cantar mais uma vez em nome de Jesus. Jesus é melhor do que bem. Jesus é melhor do que tudo que tem. Melhor que riqueza e posições. Melhor, muito mais do que milhões Pode ser um rei com poder nas mãos Mas do mal, escravo sim Mil vezes prefiro o meu Jesus E servi lá até o fim Amém, Jesus da glória! (risos) Thank you for listening to the Mark podcast. We'll be releasing all eight teaching sessions of all things new Bible study right here on the podcast for the next eight weeks. As a reminder, we will leave the audio up until April 30th. Be sure to get a Bible study book, schedule some Zoom calls with your Bible study pals, and listen in. You can find all of Kelly Mentor's Lifeway Bible Studies by going to lifeway.com
1: slash kellymentor. If you're loving this Bible study content like we are, let us know. Tag us at Life or Women, or use the hashtag MarkedPodcast on all your social media. Let us know what you're learning, if you like getting Bible study content this way, or if you have ideas for future episodes. We are so grateful you're listening, and we want to know how to serve you well. Goodbye.